Welcome to the podcast, everybody. Let's start off by giving a quick shout out to our sponsor, SeedsHereNow.com. Big thanks to James Bean and SeedsHereNow.com for supporting the show. SeedsHereNow.com is your number one source for high quality seeds. Of course, they do offer a money back satisfaction guarantee, and I think they use a time machine to ship your seeds to you. Make sure to support my friends at SeedsHereNow.com. Here we go. Welcome back, podcast world. I'm your host. My friends call me Rasta Jeff. This is episode 777 of the Grow From Your Heart podcast. I've got a fun show lined up for us. Before we jump in, let's do a few shout outs to a few of the kind folks who continue to support the show on Patreon. Let's kick it off with a big Grow From Your Heart podcast thank you shout out to my buddy Turt Burglar. Let's send a big thank you shout out to Indica Chris and Single T. I want to send a fist bump and a thank you shout out to Brohan78 and Luke. Let's send a thank you shout out to Captain Mojo. I want to send a special thank you shout out to my friend Rasta Greenthumb. Let's send a fist bump and a thank you shout out to Trollin and Kyle H. Let's send a thank you shout out to Kells P. Then let's wrap it all up with a big Grow From Your Heart podcast thank you shout out to my buddy Lefty's Farm. Big thanks and big shout out to everybody who continues to support the show on Patreon. If you are not already supporting the show and you would like to learn how to do so, all you have to do is visit www.patreon.com forward slash grow from your heart. All of the information you need will be right there on the screen. And you know, I do include a link in the show notes and in the video description to make it nice and easy for all of my friends to support the podcast. Speaking of support. I owe everybody a big thank you for all of the support on the early Black Friday sale. That's right, if you were a member of the Patreon, you got a notification that came with the coupon code letting you know that the Black Friday sale is now active on iRedirect.com. That's right, check out iRedirect.com for all the current stock. Things will last until Black Friday, but a lot of the new drops will be sold out right after Black Friday. I've got enough on there to last about the week, maybe a little bit more, but they will sell out. So make sure you grab the Black Friday deals before they are gone at iRedirect.com. All right, that should wrap up all of the business part of this podcast. Let's move our way into the fun part of this episode. I've been doing, I'm not sure if it's been an experiment on myself or if I've been noticing something about myself, but I noticed that last week I could smoke everything and not get the buzz I desired. I could smoke all of the concentrates. I could smoke all the flowers. I ate some edibles and I was just not achieving the level of medication or the buzz level that I was trying to achieve. And I was getting frustrated with it. I was just smoking more. I thought maybe I need to take a little bit of a break. But then this week, I don't know what's going on, but things have balanced themselves out. This week, all I have to do is take a little tiny itty bitty little dab, and I feel like I'm just completely wrecked. I'm getting so lit off of my dabs. I'm making up for the excessive consumption last week, and I'm saving some this week just because when I do smoke, I'm getting extra lit. So my question to you is, do you go through phases where sometimes you can look at your dabs and catch a nice buzz or other times when you can smoke all of the dabs and not even get a buzz at all? Is that just me? Is that something seasonally? Is that something with my diet, something with my mood? 
food, something with blood sugar, brain chemistry, who knows what's going on. But I want to know, is it just me? Does that sort of stuff happen to you also? Send me a message, growfromyourheart at hotmail.com or hit me on Twitter or social media. Let me know. Am I the only one going through this weird phenomena of where sometimes I can buy a few grams of concentrates and they'll last me a week. And then sometimes I could buy the same amount of concentrates and it will last me a day. Is it just me or do you do that also? Let me know because man, last week I smoked double what I normally smoke. And this week I'm smoking half of what I normally smoke. And I really notice a huge difference, but I'm not doing anything uh, differently diet wise or life or physically wise. It's just seems to be uh, the only difference is it's colder now. And that doesn't really, I don't think that makes a difference. It is super cold today. Hasn't been so cold. I don't know if that makes any sense. All right. Where do we go from there? All right, let's segue into our next topic. I've got something I think will be fun to talk about. My question to you is, are you doing things in your garden that are completely useless because they are a ritual? They are a habit. Uh, maybe you were doing it because one of your uncle's friends did it in the 70s and he told you you could do it and you tried it and you just never stopped. My idea and my question is, are you doing things in your garden just because you've been programmed to do it? Because you think it might be doing something because you saw somebody else doing it. Do you have a rhyme and reason and a method for everything that is happening in your garden? I've noticed some people are just doing some things just because it's a habit and they don't know why they're actually doing the steps that they are doing. We spend a lot of time, money, energy, and effort on our garden, and we hope to have a beautiful outcome. If we can streamline the amount of time we spend in there, the amount of money, and the amount of energy that we have to put into that garden and still get a quality outcome, I think that helps us out. One of my jobs as a, jobs as a consultant is to go to your commercial facility, uh, walk around for a day, view your grow, your employees, your plants, and see what's happening. And then it is my job to make that grow more proficient. If it's better production, less cost, I'm there to increase productivity and save money. So there are several ways you could probably do that in your grow. I'm not at your grow, so I don't know what's going on. But the next time you're in there, think about it. Are the moves and steps that I'm making, are they necessary? Think about from the minute you open the door to that grow to when you start mixing your nutrients, to when you check your pH, to where you do everything in that grow, when you touch the plants, when you, whatever you're doing, is there a rhyme and a reason for it? Think about why am I doing the action I am doing right now? What does this do to my plants? What does it do to my plants right now, later today, tomorrow, in three days, in seven days, in two weeks, in the long run, before harvest time? Think about the full outcome of everything you were doing to those plants. Keep in mind that the things you do to your plants today may not show you results or benefits very soon. It may be two, three, five, seven days. It could be two weeks, five weeks, maybe nine weeks down the line before you see the results of what you did. Is it consequences or rewards? We may not know. So go slow. Uh, think twice before you cut anything. You can't put shit back on, but you can cut shit off. Don't uh, overfeed. You can feed more, but you can't take back food. So think about every move you are making before you make it in that grow and think about does this have a reason? Does this have a purpose? Why am I doing this in the grow? Maybe, like I said earlier, maybe maybe I told you something years ago, you should do this and you've been doing that in your grow. Maybe your style has changed. Maybe your room has changed. Maybe your equipment changed. That thing I told you might not even be necessary anymore. My grow evolves and changes uh, probably uh, more quickly than a lot of people because I have a lot more input and also more experience. I'm not as afraid to uh, experiment and maybe kill a couple of plants. That's another thing I should talk about. Don't get so trapped into your routine that you're afraid to try new things. Be able to 
maybe risk a plant or two. And that's how you learn and how you expand and how you improve. If you don't take risks, you will not get better. So what I'm saying is, are you doing things in your grow because it's a habit, because you learned it from somebody a long time ago and you've just been doing it? Or does every step of your grow have a purpose, a rhyme, a reason, and a method? Why are you doing that? If you can eliminate that step and save yourself some time, don't do it. If you can eliminate a product or a step that'll save you money, that's beneficial right away. We all like saving more money. You can buy yourself more things. But try to have a reason for everything you were doing in that grow. If I were there watching you and I said, hey, bro, why did you do that? You should have a solid reason of I did that because of this, not just I do that every time. I've been doing that for years. Okay, why do you do that every time? Why have you been doing that for years? What is your reason for the actions you are taking? Every action has an equal and opposite reaction. Are you getting a benefit? Are you messing up your plants? What are you doing? Let's think about everything we're doing in there. Now, I want to give a big shout out to uh, my dogs because this part of the show was inspired by my dogs. Let me tell you a funny short story here. Um, I got into a relationship with a lovely lady. She had two puppies. Um, when you get out of the shower at that house, those two puppies, they're not puppies. They're uh, small terrier dogs. They're adult small terriers. When you get out of the shower, those two terriers love to lick your feet when you are wet. They just want to lick your ankles and your feet when you're wet. Um, recently, we got another dog. Probably close to a year ago, we got another dog. Uh, that dog has learned that he likes to lick feet also. The dog has no idea why he likes to lick feet. He doesn't know what it does. He doesn't know what he's doing. But he knows that every time I get out of the shower, he really wants to come into the bathroom and lick my feet. He learned it from Tika, who, guess what, learned it from the dog that was previous to that one who has since passed away. A dog taught another dog something, and now that dog has taught another dog something, and that dog thinks it's a way of life, that is something is required, and it has absolutely no reason why that is a requirement of its life. I thought it was silly to learn that one dog taught another dog and that dog taught another dog and that third dog has no idea why he's doing it. The first dog probably doesn't either, but I was like, that's like people in their grow rooms. People are just doing shit because they saw that dog do it and then that dog did it and now guess what? That dog's gonna do it too and they don't even know why. So shout out to the dogs. They definitely inspired that portion of the podcast. Are you being a silly dog? Or is there a reason for you to be doing the crazy shit that you're doing in your grow? All right, let's do move forward because that was a fun, silly subject. I really did enjoy that one. All right, now let's jump into my next topic. I was recently at a friend's grow and they were talking about how they have switched to amended soil and they're doing a living organic amended soil so that they don't have to feed bottled nutrients. They went on to talk about how their bottled nutrient required them to do much, too much work. So I just kept listening and let them kind of talk. They revealed to me that they were taking each bottle and filling a container with water and adding the recommended dosage of that nutrient to the five gallon bucket mixing it up, pouring that into the plants. Then they would take the next bottle that was recommended, mix that into a five gallon bucket and pour some of that into each plant. So this person was under the impression that their base nutrient, the CalMag bottle, the booster bottle, the enzyme bottle all had to be mixed separately into containers of water, then fed to the plants. If you were doing that, that is a lot of extra work. I hope that made sense the way I explained it. There are several bottles in your feed regimen. I don't know which company you chose. Some people are under the impression that each of those bottles needs to be mixed into its own container of water and fed to the plants. That is not the case. Let me teach you how I recommend mixing your bottled nutrients if you do choose to use bottled nutrients. This will work for reverse osmosis water. This will work for tap water. This is just my basic advice and uh, method of how I recommend you mix your bottled nutrients. 
I'm going to start with a five-gallon bucket here, just a Lowe's bucket, a Home Depot bucket, whatever five-gallon bucket you've got. That's what I'm going to talk about using for my starting container. So I've got my five-gallon bucket. I fill it about 80 to 90% of the way with water. I need some mixing space. I don't want to spill this shit everywhere. I leave uh, maybe an inch, inch and a half at the top so that I've got some working room. So I fill my bucket with water. Now, I add my nutrients one nutrient at a time by the recommended dosage. What you're going to feed it is up to you. I would start off with maybe 50% of the recommended dosage on the bottle, maybe 70%. You probably don't need 100% of what they recommend. You'll really be pushing your plants. That is another podcast we'll talk about at another time. But select your bottles that you are going to feed. Understand how much of each bottle you need to feed. Now, I'm just going to stay. We're going to we're going to start with one bottle. Measure out how much you're going to use. I'm going to say 10 mils per five-gallon container. So you put your 10 milliliters in your measuring device, and you pour that into the five-gallon container. Now you get the next bottle. And before you pour any bottle, always shake it. That's something that I should mention. Uh, grab the bottle, shake it, measure it, pour it into your five-gallon container. Now the next bottle, we're gonna. you might want to clean out your, your measuring container. That's always a good idea. Wipe that out. Give it a quick wipe with a paper towel or a rag. Make that fresh and clean. Grab your next bottle, shake it up. Let's just say we're going to do 10 more milliliters of this product. Measure out 10 milliliters. Close your bottle back up. Pour that 10 milliliters into the same five-gallon bucket. We're going to put all of our products into the same five-gallon bucket of water. I don't know how much water you need to water your entire crop or your room or this run or this light or whatever, but mix up the appropriate amount of water, and we can put all of the nutrients into that water at one time. We don't have to mix up separate vessels for every product. That is highly unnecessary. That is a lot of extra work. I realize now that a couple of people were mixing that way, so they were mixing if there was six bottles in the product lineup, they were mixing six buckets of water and then trying to feed a little bit of each bucket to each plant. That's a that's a struggle. That's a lot of extra thinking, carrying, mixing, working. That is a pHing. That's a big pain in the ass. So get your bucket, fill it with water, get your first nutrient. I recommend, and this is just a suggestion, a recommendation. I recommend you start with your silicates first. Get your silicate bottle, shake that shit up, measure out the amount that you need. Pour it into your five-gallon container and stir it counterclockwise. That's my recommendation. Stir it counterclockwise. Get it a good spin. Make sure it's nice and mixed in there. Then I would use my base nutrient would be next. Uh, clean out my measuring container. Find my base nutrient bottle. Give it a good solid shake so nothing's uh, at the bottom. It's all mixed up real well. Measure out the amount that I need, probably somewhere between 25 and 50 milliliters, uh, possibly 100 milliliters if you're using a, a Botanicare product. Pour that into your five-gallon container. Your silicates are in there. Now your base nutes are in there. Once again, give it a stir. Give it a good solid stir so that it's going to keep on stirring so that when we add our next bottle, which I would recommend at this point, will probably be that bottle of CalMag. Find the, clean out your measuring container. Find your bottle of CalMag. Measure out the appropriate amount. Close your bottle back up. Pour that into the five-gallon container. It's still spinning from when you stirred it up real hard a minute ago. Still spinning. So just rely on that spin. Keep it going. Uh, then I would add the boosters, then the enzymes, and then I would do the microbes last. Some people will tell you to pH your water after you add your microbes, and some people will say to pH your water before you add microbes. I've had success with both methods. So get the water stirred up, add your uh, potassium silicate or your silicate nutrients, then your base nutrients, then all of your add-ins, your CalMag, your bloom boosters, your enzymes, uh, and then I would recommend probably the microbes last, um, and you can adjust the pH before or after those microbes. Let's talk about that. 
after you've mixed in all of your nutrients, everything you're going to put in there, give it a good mix. Make sure everything is mixed in really well. Stir it counterclockwise. Then when you're done, give it just a couple of good clockwise stirs to mix everything in real nice there. Then we want to adjust the pH if we need to. This is where I recommend a high quality pH pen. I use a blue lab pen and I calibrate it uh, probably every 10 days. I should do it once a week. I hit it about every 10 days, two weeks, to be honest with you. Calibrate the pH pen. Then dunk that pH pen right into your five-gallon bucket of water of your solution is what now that is, and measure the pH of that. We want that pH to be somewhere between 6.2 and 6.5. That is going to be the acceptable range. I like 6.4 myself. I really think 6.4 is a great spot for the pH. The way you're going to change that, if it's too high, if you put your pH meter in there and it says anything above 6.5, you need a bottle of pH down and put a couple of drops of pH down, stir it and measure that pH again. Go slow with the pH up or down products because it only takes a little tiny bit to ruin the entire mix. You can go too high or too low very, very quickly. Also, I recommend you wear gloves and eye protection when you are using the pH up and or pH down products. Also, don't mix those. If you've put too much pH down in there, I wouldn't recommend putting pH up in there to fix that. Only use one of those products at a time that will cause, that could potentially cause you problems depending on the nutrients that you are using. So we have filled our bucket. We have put our potassium silicates in there. We stir it, put our base newts, give it a stir, CalMag, give it a stir, every other nutrient, maybe give it a stir between them unless you can rely on that spin action that you have created. Some There are some people that will put up a pump in that bucket just to keep it moving. That's a little excessive. If it's a five gallon, anything bigger, put a mix pump in there, get it stirring. Add all your nutrients, put your microbes in there last, then let's adjust the pH. Get it somewhere between 6.2 and 6.5. 6.4 is the sweet spot. In my opinion, I think nutrients really absorb well at that point. Then adjust your pH. Then something I really find important, write everything down. What did you put in there? Write down every product that, write down the date the time, every product that you put in, how much of it you put in, then write down the pH. The next thing I would recommend is measuring the EC or the PPMs. It doesn't matter to me which one you use. As long as you pick one and stick with it, that's all that matters. Uh, you can get a pen that does EC and pH. It'll change them with the push of a button. Pick one. Go with the EC or the PA or the PPMs. I mean, I apologize for saying the wrong letter a moment ago. Lots of letters and acronyms in my brain. Pick the EC or the PPMs. Write that down. Every time you mix up a solution, write down the pH and the EC of that solution before you feed it to your plants. Document it. This may help you in the future. So we've mixed everything up. We have adjusted our pH. We've written down the EC. Now let's water our plants. If you've got... Uh, decent sized plants that are healthy and they've got an established root zone within their pot, I recommend watering your plants till somewhere between 15 and 25% runoff. You want water coming out of the bottom of your pots. When you get that runoff coming out of the pots, I recommend collecting some of it and testing the pH and the EC of that runoff. It's real easy. Just stick the two pens in that uh, container and it will show you on the screen. The pH is this, the EC is this. At this time, don't stress, worry, or concern yourself with those numbers. Until we see a problem with the plants, those numbers do not matter. Once we see problems with the plants, we can start looking at the numbers of what we put in versus the numbers that came out. If the numbers of the EC is too high, the plants aren't eating. If the pH is too low, we can just adjust and make corrections based on that. 
but I do not make any changes to the runoff until I see the plants are angry. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. We're just going to use these numbers for reference if we do have a problem. This is data. This is fail-safe data for if there is a problem. Don't rely too much on this unless you see issues. So water till you get runoff, then collect some of that water and measure the EC and the pH and mark that down. Like I said, don't worry about the numbers now, but they're there if we need them in the future. So at this point, you should have everything written down. Every nutrient that you fed it, the amount of that nutrient, the EC and pH, the date, even maybe write down the temperature if that's something that one of your devices will show you. The more data, the better when things go wrong. That way, if things go wrong, we know where things went wrong. We can have an opportunity to fix it. But also, if things go super good, now we can repeat those results next time. You've got a like a, a chart, a map of exactly what you fed. Just feed them that next time, and hopefully they'll come out just as good, if not better. All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, pimps and hoes, friends and foes, smokers, growers, clone cutters, pollen chuckers, all of you beautiful cannabis enthusiasts out there, I do want to thank you once again for listening to episode 777 of the Grow From Your Heart podcast. Hope you learned something. If you have any questions, corrections, comments, or concerns, you know I would love to hear from you. The email address is at hotmail.com. Don't be shy. Send me a message. Let me know what you thought of the show. Send me that positive feedback, that constructive criticism, or go ahead with the hate mail if that's what you've got to do. Uh, make sure you support the show on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash grow from your heart. Don't miss the Black Friday sale at iredirect.com. Anything else you need will be at iregenetics.com. Make sure you check out the website. Everything is there. The Discord, the merch, the seeds, it's all there at iregenetics.com. All right, that's all I've got for you for this episode. I'll be back in a couple of days with fresh new content. I want to give a big shout out to my buddy Sonic. And until next time, take a fat dab and give your mom a hug for me.